0: This is Coda Radio, episode 292 for January 17th, 2018. everyone, and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every week, springing from the jaws of an alligator. Why, yes, it's our host... Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike. Misa here. Oh, he's back. Oh, the first appearance of Jar Jar in 2018. Oh, good. 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 Right? Yes. Well, you know, this time I feel like I'm a little more prepared for it. Even though I thought maybe Jar Jar was gone, I think I'm more prepared for it. Uh, we're doing a weird off-schedule uh, recording today. I don't know if we have anybody listening live. It might just be you and me. It's very intimate. It's weird. In you? There's nobody watching us. You know what I mean? Like, there could be. But if they're if they're watching they're not in the chat room. So for all you for all we know, it's just you and me right now. Have we ever That's amazing. There's only one other time in the whole show's history that we've done that, I think.
1: Yeah, I think just once, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we have uh jeez, we have a lot to come to go go through today. Uh hoopla and then uh, we're going to get into linting. And why you probably should consider it. <laughs> Everybody has a linter, right? No, no, I'm not talking about the thing that takes away snags off of your clothes. It's something a little else, a little different, plus a few tools to help you lint. Uh, but we first will start with the hoopla, as we are to do in the program. Now, Mr. Dominic, I know that uh, you are never one to take a shot at JavaScript. And I, I hate to offend you with our first story. So uh, I apologize right off the start here. But uh there is a pretty great post by Ian Allen over at the Stack Overflow blog about the brutal life cycle of JavaScript frameworks and it's everything I've been trying to convince you of this entire run of the show that you just refuse to accept. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the punchline. Let's hear. I No, I'm no, it's patient. every it's everything you've been preaching. But um so yeah, I know. So using the Stack Overflow Trends tool and some of our internal traffic data, uh Stack Overflow took a look at some of the more prominent UI frameworks like Angular, React, Vue.js, Backbone, Knockout and Ember. And they they graph the life cycle of these uh, different frameworks. And that's, that's fascinating in its own right and totally worth going to visit the article. But uh, there was a couple of things that stood out to me. Um, there appears to be two major phases in JavaScript framework usage. There appears to be like a, a quick ascent, which you've drawn attention to, as the framework gains popularity. And then a slightly less quick but steady decline as the developers yeah. adopt newer technologies. So that was one thing that jumped out at me, something you've been saying for ages, um, which drives you nuts. <laughs> so here you have it right here in writing with bar graphs. <laughs> um, and then um, the life cycles tend to be only a couple of years. Starting around – uh, so for an example. Starting around 2011, there seems to be a major adoption of a couple competing frameworks, Backbone, Knockout, and Ember. Questions about these tags appear to grow until about 2013. And then there's been a steady decline since then. At about the same time, that's when Angular JS started growing. And then you also mix in there like Vue.js, JS, and uh, you see again the same exact cycle. Uh, and uh, that's probably the component that stood out to me the most about the story is how how uh, how you can really feel that you, don't, you didn't really need them to run the data, but this sort of backs up your gut feeling. Both Ty- TypeScript and CSS users. Uh, have relatively high traffic to JavaScript frameworks across the board compared to other technologies they examined, which uh, makes a lot of sense, especially in the case of TypeScript. Uh, So what do you think, Mr. Dominic? Um, Is it time to pack it up? Call it in?
1: Uh, No. I mean, I think what I thought for 292 episodes, (laughs) right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That JavaScript has definitely become, certainly over the course of the history of the show, a very powerful, very practical programming language. But the community around it is a little crazy. I mean, what is the movie the old, you, you'll know this better than I do, the 80s movie, the sci-fi one where they kill everybody when they turn 30.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, I don't remember, but there's also a Star Trek TNG episode kind of re, where they kill everybody when they turn 60 on a planet. It's kind of the same idea. It's like you just get yeah. to a certain age and your usefulness Maybe. to society is considered peaked and, and they make
1: room for the new. And they euthanize you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is... uh kind of it's kind of like that to me with these javascript frameworks right i mean and they do it to themselves like the angular is is probably the chief example here angular 1 2 and 4 and now angular 5 is going to be coming are similar in name only right mm. it's it's particularly when you start with angular 1 and and jump to angular 2 or, or 4 i don't know what happened to angular 3 it clearly died a savage bad death luck. bad luck it's bad luck um I I don't know I mean we could go all the way back right we could start talking about prototype.js from way back when yeah Um, I mean oddly enough prototype and jQuery stayed relatively stable but they've kind of fallen out of frame uh, flavor Um, it it's It's, not it's not just the upgrade thing though it's the okay so even if you're like so so the the upgrade story is rough but also there's, you know, there's Angular, there's Ember, there's Vue. And it seems like every quarter there's like a new hot JavaScript framework yeah. that all the cool hipsters with gold MacBooks are talking about. You know, right?
0: the, so there's so many aspects. I think this is why we come back to this because you're right. It's um, if you look at just like the technical implementation, upgrading sometimes is significantly harder than it should be for the pace of these frameworks. That's uh, that's a, a, a whole, that could be a whole episode in its own. Then um, as I'm as I'm reading through this, Mike, and, you know, we've been talking about this, I also start to wonder, is this symptomatic of the gig economy where you get a new job, you want to build a new application, you want to try something new. it's, It's a chance to try out the new fancy. And because people are bouncing around every few years or every six months or whatever to new gigs, it's sort of like hitting the reset button. Well, this time we'll try this. Whereas if you stayed in a job for 30 years, you probably wouldn't be doing that as much.
1: Yeah, and I don't – you know, I'm a big believer, as people will know and sometimes uh, uh, not take kindly to, into staying on kind of the bleeding edge of things, right? But I don't – I think there's a limit, and, you know, every – 90 days seems crazy to me. (laughs) Like like I understand if like every two or three years it's time to look and see what new technologies. But, you know, every six months, every 90 days to six months to throw out or majorly break your JavaScript framework Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. does seem super self-destructive to me.
0: I want to picture you for a moment because uh, now we got all of a sudden I'm hearing the room and it makes me visualize where you're at. So did you lean back and are you like lean back lounging in a chair right now? Are you, like... I, uh, have not,
1: I did move the chair because I hit my knee.
0: Very oh, good. I was I was, I was, was hoping, like, you have, like, this really comfortable chair that you're, like, leaning back and pontificating. So no, the mic's, like, a I, little... Okay. No. I'm going to go with that, that, that if you don't mind. Just, I'm just going to run hey. with that.
1: No, I'm telling you about this chair because I'm... Oh, okay. This is a piece of shit chair. <laughs> I bought it on Amazon. It was 30 bucks. It yeah. was an amazon Basics office chair. Mm-hmm. So, I, I recently figured out that the reason I've been having lower back pain is this chair.
0: Yeah, man. We have a couple of these in the studio, and they are the worst chairs I've ever owned. Um, But they were low low budge, and they were the right height, and uh, I hate them. (laughs) And it makes noise. If you listen with headphones every now and then, you'll hear my chair squeaking. When I first started podcasting with Joe, he thought I was farting. You seriously nice. thought it was me passing gas. Uh, so I turned wow. off my gate because my gate kind of muffles it a little bit. So it might give a different sound to it. So I turned off my audio gate <laughs> and you could hear my chair popping and squeaking. It's just the worst chair. Uh, anyways. Yeah. OK. I just I wanted to I wanted to just fantasize about you for a little bit. You know, just pictured you in like a uh-huh. red velvet robe with a glass of gin or whiskey sitting next to you on like a table and you're lean back in like this plush chair. That's only on Mondays. That's when we get the show on. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh something that I'm I'm not actually uh I'm not quite buying the premise of this next article, but it's uh it's it's a big claim. The death of microservices in 2018. Uh microservices has become a very popular topic over the last couple of years. Everybody, everybody goes to the Netflix example. Netflix has, a, has great system reliability, and Netflix does everything with microservices. Therefore, the rest of the world should be using mic- microservices, so that way I'm great at DevOps. And uh, there is some truth to that. And, of course, um, it's also there's – there's sort of a practical business – Sense For microservices, you're not going to run your own payment authorization service. Uh, You're not probably going to run your own streaming and coding service and run an entire CDN that like Twitch or Scale Engine has. Um, You may not even build the software to manage subscriptions because there are entire services that can manage that for you. So there is some practical business reasons for microservices versus building it all yourself. Um, There's really the two options these days are build a huge giant monolith, do it all yourself or use a small set of specific services that each has a specific role. But there is a large amount of complexity that is introduced to developers when you go to microservices. And uh, there is also increased complexity for the system administrators and the operators and interdependency between services and blame deferral. There's a lot of there's a lot this article goes into that essentially says that people ignore these complexities and all of these downsides when they go in all on microservices. Then they continue to get ignored once they've been bit a couple of times and then they realize they're too far in and they're essentially stuck and uh, also he points out things like tra- versioning can be hard uh, tracking distributed transactions across these services uh, s- keeping keeping state across these services is likely impossible in some cases so he makes some good points but it seems like to me mike the the economics behind microservices is unbeatable like the, the you know just stripe just just take stripe for example
1: yeah, I, I, I kind of uh I mean I think this article was uh, it was worth putting in and I, I definitely so I don't agree with what he defines as a microservice. Ah, really. okay. Because I it, like you just said Stripe, so is any API now a microservice? Is that the That's that how essentially we're going to brand the positioning. Things? Yep. Yes. That is essentially that, the positioning. That seems
0: Seems so – it's like calling it's everything really
1: cloud, right? It's, isn't that the same well, thing? It, it, it's calling it, – so every REST API is a microservice, yeah. <laughs> no matter how big it is, right? The whole point of a microservice would be, you know, you, you may have like one authentication microservice for your entire enterprise. Right. And, you know, you hire – well, let, let's use a real example, right? People would hire us at the Mad Botter to build them a bot or a mobile app. But they might hire somebody else to build them like a – access app i don't know why they would ever build an access app but they might do it um and, but both vendors would be tying into the authentication service the one service right yeah and every every application every other service would rely on this service of authentication now the, the, the reason i put this post in though i think he has a point but i think he doesn't know the point he's really making um and i'm sure he's a fine guy i'm not like down on him I think what he really means to say is the hype around the branding of microservices is going to die down, because what has happened is that basically all these, again, my mythical golden hip- MacBook hipster, are calling basically any REST API a microservice, and they're using that to say that their architecture is, you know, awesome and yours sucks, right? Which, fine. I mean, I remember when. Uh, You know, when reactive programming first came on the scene, I mean, first it came in like the 70s, but, you know, the new version, right? When React first came out, when people were doing like Swift RX, and they still are, but all of a sudden... Overnight, if you weren't doing functional reactive programming, you were terrible. And now, well, looky, looky, things are are kind of, uh, you know, not not a lot of people are doing it, right? There's some community that's doing it, and they're getting good benefits, um, but other people are using other patterns. I feel the same way about microservices. It makes sense. For some things to be microservices, uh, the authentication service I just described in the case of, you know, a large enterprise with a number of internal app applications. But if you're just building like an app to do something, and I mean, I'm using app very loosely, so it could be like a web app. Um, then yeah, sometimes like a rail style monolith is the right thing to do, right? A giant Django app, a giant rails app, giant .NET app, whatever. It doesn't need to be a microservice if it's one application. Mm-hmm. Well said. So well said. But speaking of uh, of reviewing things from the past, I slipped one in on you in the docs.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. I love it. It is oh. our good friend. Oh, yeah. Egon. The legend. The man himself. Yeah. Egon. All right. We got an email in from Egon. He says, the last shows have been third or fourth prediction shows I've heard. It's about time you got back to the prediction shows of 2010 and 2017. Honestly, access how good your predictions have been. Love the show. <laughs> we have been slipping a few in. You know, we we didn't really go like whole, all in like full on predictions, full on reviews this year because – I don't know. I was just kind of worried that people were burning out on that. But then at the same time, it's fun to slip them in here and there at the beginning of the year. So we did end up sticking a few in the last few episodes. We kind, of, we kind of had our cake and ate it too this year, didn't we? <laughs> I, didn't want to, I didn't want to just do the same old thing and have people just not listen to the episode and be burned out on that. You know? But maybe we should have. If we were going to be making predictions, maybe we should have reviewed them. Well, this is an idea. I probably
1: should have slacked you. But let's do it on the air. What the hell? Do you know them? Um, do you have them handy? I don't have them handy, but what I was thinking is we could probably. So, one thing I hate about this time of year is every podcast in my feed is like, you know, 20 whatever a year in review, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We could do our prediction show next week. When everybody else has got it out of their system.
0: That's true. We could. We could. Yeah, I would. I mean, do you think people are still like, I mean, I think they're still kind of burned out on it, though, is the only thing. I wonder if it shouldn't be like a June I like thing.
1: They are, but <laughs> based on my Twitter feed, people love it when I'm wrong. That's true. That is true. I mean, true. I made a comment about Bitcoin, and I've gotten lots of replies on that one.
0: Yeah, okay. So we did our predictions episode for our notes. Um well, I'm not sure. Actually, I see we we looks like we might have made some in 236, but our first episode of the year was uh, 238 for in uh, of 2017. Yeah, Mike's got wishes for the new year. I thought, okay, yeah. Uh, oh, geez, this is the episode where you got rid of your office too. <laughs> now you're back in an office. Oh man, I bet there's some good stuff in there. I bet yeah, that's just some stuff. That's ripe with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, that's 238. If anybody wants to help us out and uh, pull out some stuff that you want us to respond to. Remember, on YouTube, you can time code link to uh, so two, episode 238, Undockered. That would be the one to go look at. I might uh, – you know what? I'll link that in our Slack too so that way you and I remember so we can we can pull that through. Um, all right. So, yeah. All right. So, you're right, Egon. You're right. You got us. You got us, Egon. If you want to send us an email, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com.
1: And he's still listening to the show. I just want contact. to point that out. Yeah. Didn't he say okay. he was stopping? He was done, right? I thought he did it like five times. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love it. I'm glad he's still listening. My Favorite. <laughs> you can't
0: quit us, Egon, and uh, we can't quit you. We love it. So uh, we got a we got we got we got a little more hoopla to get to. I, actually, you know what, Mike? This next story is kind of uh, me eating humble pie about one of my predictions. So we are going to get to that right now. But uh, I forgot about that. But let's let's take a moment to talk about DigitalOcean. Huge week over at DigitalOcean. They are. DigitalOcean, not only are they constantly adding new services, like so we talk about uh, their spaces, services recently. My favorite one that I'm getting all in on this uh, this year is their monitoring, which is baked right in and is so, so sweet. But DigitalOcean has just doubled your RAM and increased SSD storage for free. They just got, they're even a better deal now. They've also rolled out a brand new website. You can spin up a full application in seconds. You can start with just a base system or you can deploy an entire application in seconds on their fast infrastructure. Everything's SSD. They have data centers all over the world positioned in key bandwidth positions for the fastest access possible. 40 gigabits coming into the hypervisors. Linux runs those things and then they have a dashboard that is perfect. It strikes that balance between a power tool but yet simple and easy to use. And it's designed for developers. They have an API that it's an example. It's it's a beautiful example of how you actually base your front end web product, like their dashboard, around a back end API, you document it, you make it open, and then there is a I mean there's just there's just a, a bouquet. How about that? There's a bouquet of open source applications built around the API. You know what, DigitalOcean, you can take that bouquet thing. Just run with it. I'm your idea guy. You just run with that. DigitalOcean.com It's such an easy fast way to get up and get going. You can cluster deployments. You, they have different types of deployments you can do for kinds of different kinds of workloads, like if you want to do a GitHub, or like a GitLab deployment, or you want to try out NextCloud, or you want to mess around with FreeBSD pre-built applications, you can skip the install and configuration process and just deploy Rails or Cassandra, or just get a system running up with Docker and then start loading Docker images like boom, boom, boom. Five minutes. Five minutes you'll be up and running. It's super fast. Then you can monitor it and it's an unbelievable price. DigitalOcean.com, but here's the best part. Go to DigitalOcean, create the account, and then use our promo code, CoderDigital. One word, CoderDigital, you apply that to your account, you'll get a $10 credit after you've created it. You could try out their, well, you could try any of their systems for with that $10 credit. I, my favorite system, three cents an hour. Three cents an hour. It's an unbelievable value. Uh, you get uh, four gigs of RAM, because they've upped the RAM now, so it's even better value. You get two super-fast CPUs, 80 gigabytes of SSD storage and 4 terabytes of transfer for 3 cents an hour. (laughs) Okay? So get our $10 credit when you use the promo code CODERDIGITAL and go at it. New pricing, new website. It's never been a better time to sign up for DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com, promo code CODERDIGITAL. Thank you, DigitalOcean. Now, um, I got to admit, augmented reality is sucking. There's nothing going on with augmented reality. iPhone X is here with its fancy depth-sensing cameras and nothing. This was the thing I was excited about. This was the thing where I thought Apple had a real lead here. You got all of these phones with decent processors and decent cameras in people's pockets. And you're selling the iPhone 10 in millions and millions and millions of units. You got AI kit. Yeah, or AR kit, I should say. AR,
1: AR, AR. yeah. So it's a- AR kit, and I think what you mean by AI kit is uh, core ML, which yeah. is the machine learning. Yeah, thing but I was talking digital. about AR kit. It's just you know, okay. words are hard. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. So, so so nothing, nothing with augmented reality. I mean, there's there's some apps. So there's, like said, there's like 300. There's like 300 apps or something. Or no, I'm sorry. There's a thousand apps in the App Store right
1: now. There's a thousand. I mean, there's a cool like if you have a kid, you know, there's yes. a cool Thomas the Tank Engine AR app. Yep. A lot of games, right? A lot of things for little kids. A lot of stuff like that. Yeah, 30% of them are games. Uh, right so I think what we're seeing is a couple of things is consumer facing AR outside of games is, is kind of a, a, a tough thing to conceptualize a product from. Hmm. Right? Okay. Um, also if I, I'm just looking at it for myself, right? If we were to just like stop development on Alice and decide we're going to do some AR product, which is not going to happen, but let's say, you know, in, in, a, in like the, you know, the, what is it? The DC fifty two universe, the old or the mirror universe? universe.
0: Where, Could be the mirror. If you watch the mirror, Discovery, uh, the mirror universe. Oh,
1: Madam Tilly, how are you? Uh, I oof, we won't even get into it. You might say, okay, we want to build an AR product. I would be very hard pressed to build an AR kit because then it's iOS only. Yeah, and you know the trend that we're seeing with all apps, right? With, uh, granted, you know we're mostly B two B facing is hybrid and people who want better performance will hybrid just become xamarin or something like that instead of you know cordova or some cordova like solution is
0: this the decline of apple's control has 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 android gotten so entrenched now that um so no, much i bigger. think it's
1: the opposite i i i think mobile is mature right mobile is a is a is a pretty mature market now yeah and they're you know what like xamarin i've had my issues with xamarin forms in the past but we just shipped a really, really decent Xamarin app. Uh, really complicated stuff, and you would not know it was Xamarin if I didn't. If I didn't, like the customer never would have known. Really, you think I could tell? Uh, I don't think you could tell either. Hmm. to Be honest with you. That's so. That's it, really it good news. A lot of like, like, uh. Open it's not actually open GL I think it's doing it in metal but it's doing like down to the metal drawing really metal Apple's metal yeah that's what it. you want I mean that is if I you're going gonna... it to back it's open GL in this case but yeah it, whatever right it it's drawing Bezier curves things like that mm. um y- you wouldn't know
0: yeah and if it's still using and... open
1: GL I'm still pretty happy it's not, I don't care. I think you can use metal. We just didn't. I mean, so,
0: how much of a Mac is involved in that process? If you, you know, didn't want—I mean, just for my own curiosity—if you didn't want to use a Mac, how much Mac has to be involved? So, if,
1: if I was like religiously opposed, yeah, to you know, yeah. working on Mac. So, um, how are we defining involved? Are we def- like what what the dev machine I'm working on? Yeah, you could. So, in theory, you could write that iOS application. You would out, write it completely in Visual Studio yeah, on Windows. It's
0: not until you want to publish to the App Store that you need to run it through Xcode,
1: right? You have to sign it. Y- yes, I mean you have I, to upload it to the Connect. Uh, what is it? So iTunes? I can't even remember. Anymore. iTunes Connect. So uh, yes, that's that's true. Yeah. What we have found is folks who want to work on Windows, the best which is really nobody here. Um, but in the past, it's been a thing. The best experience is actually to have like a decent Mac, either someone's laptop. With they call it the, uh, the Xamarin uh, helper running and a, uh, or, or like a Mac mini server. Right, and, and then the it connects there. over the network. Yeah, that's right. Because then you can do interesting things like automate the bills and actually build them to test devices on the Wi Fi or indeed plugged into that Mac. That is
0: so cool, actually.
1: <laughs> so, it, like, if I was a Windows guy, I would, yeah, that's probably what I would do, right? But yeah, I mean, if you. Of course, we did all the development on Mac. The only thing that gets really weird is, like, the line ending stuff between Mac and Windows. If people don't have their Git settings right, you get annoying, like, you rewrote the whole file. Well, no, you didn't. Just every line has a different character ending. Um, but, yeah, you could totally do that. I mean, Xamarin also has their Xamarin uh, test cloud you could use. And they also have the – it's almost like a view the app. Running in the cloud somewhere thing, it, you don't get the performance, so it wasn't appropriate in this case. But you could see the UI on your phone without doing any code signing.
0: It's just a little. It's a little. It's a bit of a shame that the AR thing didn't get bigger because I had uh, I had hopes for eventually getting like information overlay type type AR apps and stuff that would be really useful. Maybe it'll still emerge, but I think you're right. I think it's it think it's AR Kit. Well, not that it's bad. That it's just iOS only, perhaps. The other thing, though, yeah. You know, all right. Well, we should probably move on. But yeah, we should, yeah,
1: we should probably uh, move on. Yeah. My, my last point on that would be: I, I think it is a reflection on AR not really being one being very expensive to develop, and two, a lot of, uh, AR kit, particularly just because it's iOS only. That's that's going to be a tough sell.
0: Yeah, and and the tech still felt pretty early when I played around with it. Uh, while we're on the uh, iOS train, though, Transmit for iOS is going to get pulled. Panic wrote a blog post where they went through their logic on pulling transmit for iOS, which um, uh, is sort of surprising because it's um, it's a pretty well-respected app on iOS. It's pretty featureful. In fact, it was one of the early, very featured... They they created uh, transmit for iOS uh, when the share sheets arrived in iOS 8. They thought, boom, this is what we can do. People can upload and download apps through the share sheet. We're all on board. And it was... Well reviewed, as they uh, go to point out, and um, it doesn't make them enough money. Just not enough sales of geeks on iOS. They say it made $35K, thirty-five k, thirty-five thousand dollars in revenue in the last year. Which for them is a minuscule fraction of their overall twenty seventeen app revenue. God, I would love to have that problem. They say that's not enough to cover even half time developer working on the app, thirty-five thousand dollars and that the app needs full-time work, we'd love to be adding new protocols that they've put in their desktop application, as well as some Dream features, but it's a guaranteed money loser. They also note that because paid upgrades are still a matter of great debate and discomfort in the iOS universe, it sort of has led them to this point. They really probably can't sell Transmit 2 for iOS. They'd be unlikely to help the problem. It'd be a temporary spike. And the new Files app in iOS 10 kind of sure locks them a little bit with file management functionality. So they said they were in a murky situation. The thing left to do was pull it from the App Store. So they're going to remove it from sale soon. Um, Everyone who has Transmit installed can still use it for the foreseeable future unless iOS breaks it for some reason. And they also are still going to update it for full iPhone 10 support before they pull the plug. So that's that's pretty – I mean this seems like a pretty decent move. Um, and if you've, if you purchased it in like the last 60 days, you can contact them and they'll give you a refund if they can.
1: What do you think, Mike? So, I mean, obviously you don't like to see a, a good productive app get pulled for basically, you know, not making enough money. I mean, that's totally understandable. Um, you know, this is something, and, and to Egon's email, I was really hot on the iPad pro. remember that was how that was like two years ago. I really thought we'd have like Star Trek style productivity on tablets. I would like to have I mean, seen the, it. you know what I just realized it's the exact mistake I made with WinRT like I just want that to be a thing. And yeah. its not
0: well, I do yeah. too to be I th- when you when you were doing that at the same time, I was thinking. Maybe I don't – maybe I don't want a laptop anymore. Maybe I just want a nice desktop at right. home and then a tablet for one for – or a nice desktop at work. And then when I'm at home, a tablet. So that way I can't work as much.
1: Yeah, but it, it so it's just not working, right? I think the market yeah. has basically said that tablets There's are toys. media consumption and game devices. Yep, They're right. not yep. productivity tools. So this yep. makes a lot of sense. It's super disappointing. Um, not not that this transmit is going away. It's disappointing, I think, that, you know, the iPad Pro is a pretty powerful device. The Win Windows uh, Touch tablets are pretty powerful. Android tablets, I think, are going to be killed by Google, but that's a different thing. The
0: thing is, is you're never going to get real pro app investment if you don't have demos and you don't have paid upgrades, uh, because real, genuine, good <sighs> applications what- take serious investment.
1: But you can sneak paid upgrades now. like With the way an app purchases work, yeah. you, you can you can get effectively paid upgrades.
0: I agree. I agree. Yeah. That is true. That is something.
1: I think people just don't want to pay. I think, unfortunately, the the tablet, as it was originally introduced, was a consumption and toy. Like, I think you have it best, media consumption mm-hmm. and, and a toy. Yeah. And people don't see it as, oh, I'm going to pay $50 for the new, you know, pro whatever it is that they're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not all doom and gloom for everyone in iOS App Store, though. As uh, John Gruber points out – actually, Horace Deju pointed out, but John Gruber highlighted that developer payment rate is now $25 billion a year, which is more than McDonald's revenue in 2016. So they're now – just the App Store is making more than McDonald's in 2016. During this year, iOS users will be spending about $100 million per day for apps. That was mm-hmm. Google's AdWords revenue in 2012 the spending on the app store has been rising steadily about 5 billion a year since 2011 and apps are the biggest component of apple services and helped segment that segment gross over 57 billion dollars in 2017 passing a fortune 100 level of uh, revenue
1: just yeah. apple Can services. I burst your hype bubble a little bit well, it was not mine it's uh it's gruber's yeah, but yeah. what percentage of that Oh uh, right, falls into one. Right, that's you're why right. I set it
0: up. I said for some, for some, it's really good. Right.
1: Yeah, but for the others, distribution curve is is yeah. really scary. Yeah, right? right. And also, forget about individual or forget about categories, but if you want to, games are probably the top earners. I think yep. that's been every yeah, year and and
0: games where you're buying crap like coins and and stuff with in app purchases. That's where a lot well, a of game, the revenue is coming from.
1: And and it's not that, it's concentrated with like you know just like. 30 developers right like it's not that there are millions of developers and everybody's making some money it's there are millions of develop, developers roughly 30 of them are making a lot of money uh some people are making okay money some people are making some money and most people are making no money
0: yes exactly right. yep sounds right. like, so it sounds like podcasting
1: oh. <laughs> it does
0: it's interesting um yeah uh I don't know what to, I don't really know what else to say other than it seems like if you're going to make any money in that, you're going to have to do in app purchases and, uh, and charge like a monster. Um, so <laughs> I just don't know. Uh, now listen, Mr. Dominic, I know we got to get into linting. Do you want to, or let's, let's just shift gears. I'll mention Linux Academy and then we'll get into it. Linuxacademy.com slash coders. It's an advanced training library to help you get all the skills you need to advance your career or maybe get a new gerb ball together or impress that client. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders is where you go to sign up for a free seven-day trial and support this show. Self-paced, in-depth video courses on every Linux, cloud, and DevOps topic. If you're trying to get an AWS or Azure or OpenStack, which is... OpenStack is the biggest boogeyman to me. I can wrap my head around all the others pretty well now these days. But OpenStack is sort of nebulous to me. So if I log into Linux Academy, I can get a pretty good assessment of how long it's going to take me to get my head around. And I can get my head around the basics in probably an hour over at Linux Academy. And then I could probably become pretty trained up in about six or seven or eight hours. It's great how they just kind of quantify it all out for me. Each individual section is broken out. They have hands-on scenario-based labs. So you, it's, you're you not just reading. You They're spinning up virtual servers, and the, the server's... Match the the courseware. So if you've chosen Debian or Ubuntu or Red Hat, the servers match that. Including when you're working, if you're working with AWS, they'll spin up servers there too. And you don't have to go create all of the stuff and add your payment information. It's part of your Linux Academy subscription. Real human beings instructors are available when you need them. And a course schedule, a course scheduler to work with you when things are really busy, and you want to just set some time frames and learning goals, and then just have have the system kind of help you stick with them. The community forks the training cards, you know, like the like the memorization random flashcards you can you can take, and they just get better and better constantly. And that community is full of Jupyter Broadcasting members, so they bump into each other all the time. And there's an there's a vibrant forum there where people are talking about their successes or their or their trials, and there's public profiles where you can list all of the things you've accomplished at Linux Academy and link that to an employer add that to your resume linuxacademy.com slash coders go over there and sign up for a free seven-day trial linuxacademy.com slash coders big thank you linux academy so javascript linters uh linting of course is um not a new term <laughs> but i think about it when it comes to clothing but you think about it as a way to increase code quality yes mr dominic
1: yeah yeah so you know the end of the year is always a time of reflection
0: <laughs> as egon has pointed out <laughs>
1: As Egon has pointed out, Egon, this show's for you, buddy. Um, as you're meditating alone, drinking green milk on the noble island of Acho, or is that Chew? I don't know. <laughs> you think about what went right, what went wrong. And I can't say that I haven't been using linters for a while. What I can say, because I have, right? Because like all the JetBrains tools basically do some linting. Um, there's some default linters and different editors. But one thing I have found to be like a major, I don't want to say productivity increase. I want to say like pain in the ass reduction. Is that a term I can use? Yeah, like, that makes sense. It's like the right is having everybody use the exact same linter. Yeah. And it, it's almost like, I don't know if you remember this, but and then it, I'm sure you do actually. When I got my first programming gig in, you know, there was a java applet style guide i had to follow right (laughs) down to like this is how we name variables this is the methodology right even if you were doing like incrementers right like for i equals like you start with i and then you do that they write like they had it and and you would get dinged on that in a code review if you didn't follow it um that's probably a bit excessive but it, it you knew there where the rails were. To be it's, said.
0: it's like when you play. It's like when right. you go bowling and there's bumpers in the alleys.
1: <laughs> well, it's not, it's more than that, though. If you have people who are, you know, if you're if you're an organization of more than one person, people can leave. You can hire new people. Yeah, absolutely, it makes it so that there's not radical differences between different developers' code.
0: I I think it, I think it's worth doing. Still, you know, I mean, it's yeah. Absolutely. Same with um, same with uh, uh, documentation to a degree too. Like keeping consistent, readable documentation that remains the same throughout the organization, for at least in in you know your department, uh, makes it much more usable, and especially in an emergency.
1: Yeah, and I mean I've had, I've had lots of conversations. Like originally I came to this about like you know what, we should write a style guide, and I had conversations. It's one of those things that you say oh yeah we'll do that we'll do that we'll do that, and you never do it. And then I thought about, well wait a minute, look at these linters. What are they really at their core? Well, they are a style guide that is automatically enforced by your editor. That's awesome. So, what I ended up doing was going through every language we work in, finding a linter and just, you know, arbitrarily assigning a uh, a a I want to say flavor of linting to that language. So let me give you an example. Using ESLint in JavaScript, uh, because I do most of my JavaScript in Visual Studio code, you can set, like, what presets do you want, right? So I took, I think, the GitHub presets, because GitHub has a published style guide, and I made small modifications to them. And that's it. And now you have a JSON file that you can put in any editor that uses ESLint, and everybody is using the exact same linter, even with your custom modifications. That's beautiful.
0: It's, that is uh, – it's it's just serene is what it is. That's that's nice and serene. I I tossed a couple of others in there, but I totally grok where you're going. I, I'm not
1: going to – It's the same thing, right? Any language, any editor. You could do Atom. You could do WebStorm. You could do uh, – I mean Visual Studio kind of has a linter built in, but you can add linters to it it's I have to say I you know I'm gonna be giving these type of topics every other week if I can that are just like little easy hacks you can do to have greater productivity either for yourself or but more applies to if you're working with the team because this is maybe Chris maybe 10 minutes to set this up in your editor per yeah, platform yeah and it's so worth it Hey, right, and because I'm doing Alice in JavaScript, so obviously some of the presets like assume you're doing front end development. So I changed some of it, right? Like I we, you know, you know what, this doesn't matter for us, you know, whatever. Um, but man, it does it does it clean everything up? You don't get things. Oh, I, you know, people do like weird. Oh, they missed a semicolon. Semicolons are either required or they're not, and that's it. And everybody's doing it the same way. That would make it feel. That
0: just brings sanity. To a group uh, group
1: situation, right? professionalism to the source code too. If you ever have to hand it off to somebody else, or or indeed deliver it to a client.
0: Um, so uh, I was also um, looking at. So you linked in here a Visual Studio Code plugin. I was link. I was looking at the uh, one for Adam. There's a few for Visual Studio Code though. I think so. People can pe- people can take
1: a look and yeah. There's a bunch for both. even if you but it's even if it's fun.
0: just you though. Even if it's just you, I'm saying, just
1: try it. Try it. Yeah. Don't, don't it's all group. free too that's the best part all this stuff is open source and free and-
0: yes yeah. yes that is very nice isn't it very good so uh, all additional links to in the show notes about uh, linting and JavaScript linters and uh, as well as links to those extensions in the show notes go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and look for coda radio 292 wow um, and uh, you will uh, you will see all the links to all that stuff in there that's good mr. Don. is there anything else you want to cover on that
1: no, I, I I, mean, I'm trying out 1710 If since we have a few minutes. Oh, you, you
0: are. That. You are. Mm-hmm. You are. So what's your... Th- uh,
1: so my monitor issue was fixed. I, t- I tweeted you about that. And I know you replied, so you saw it. Um, for those who don't remember, a couple weeks ago I was running Pop OS with 17.4, and the basically the resolution was garbage going from one monitor to the other.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, so, so for
0: my clarification, before. did you end up trying out Wayland? Is that what you did?
1: Yeah, that's ah. exactly what I did.
0: And so you're working on Wayland right now?
1: Uh, this very second I'm on the Mac because oh, yeah. people, yeah. yeah, the podcasting seems to work better on Mac.
0: Yeah, but. but yeah. Huh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. That's something I've been wanting to try too. I have uh, an NVIDIA card with proprietary graphics, so I can't uh driver So I can't run Wayland yet. But if I set up yeah. one of my Intel machines, I could.
1: I mean, I also did price out, and this is, I think, would be more interesting, uh, workstations that are roughly comparative to an iMac Pro.
0: Oh, yeah. And uh, did did you also throw a monitor on there?
1: Yes, I did. And so that's where I was going to go with this. Yeah. If I were to go that route, it is a tough, tough argument not to just get the baseline iMac Pro. Yep, yep. (laughs) If you, especially if you take off the upgradeability, because that is actually surprisingly aggressively priced, if you include a five K monitor of that caliber.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's really that's that's the kicker. The Xeon processors, uh, and, um, ECC RAM, and the five K screen pretty much bring the price. Oh, and then and then that's not even touching on the fact that these things come all all models come with. Uh, with rated storage, so that you know that T2 yeah. chip in there is also a RAID controller, and so you're getting you know some I can't remember it's like two or three gigs of write performance to these things, which makes every build every every render, um, every everything faster when you've got when you've got read speeds around two gigs and write speeds around three gigs. If you price so if you price Disk performance like that into a PC, ECC RAM, Xeon processors, and a 5K screen—it's nuts. I don't know if you need—I don't know if you need Xeons though. You know, I mean, I am a big fan of ECC no, so memory, but I don't know if you—you you could go with an i7. So
1: yeah. So I was—I I found something really strange, oh, yeah. uh, or strange to me because I'm not in the video production space. These Intel Core X processors, mm, okay, which seem like they're like. Crappy Xeons or souped-up um, i sevens. I actually meant to reach out because System seventy six sells them on some of their rigs. I meant to reach out and I didn't because I was busy with hospitals and crap like that. Um, yeah. I could probably just do an i seven, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But, so the uh, the X has up to eighteen cores and thirty six threads, so it's a pretty nice chip. Uh, yeah. You're right, yeah, it's yeah. You could just do a regular i
1: seven with, uh, with. I would like ECC memory though because I, I, yeah. I actually yeah and we can have a show about that but there's a lot of benefits to doing that
0: i would too i'd like um, to have ecc memory and to be honest with you i'd also like to have 10 10 physical cores mm, that yeah.
1: seems to so be we, the sweet spot so i did take your advice though chris yeah what was that my current workstation is my 15 inch macbook pro
0: Oh, yeah, really? Was that my advice? It, oh, yeah. I was just, did I say just stop was, fighting it or something and, and give it to the yeah, dark just side? stop.
1: Just give in. Just surrender. <laughs> you know you want it. That sounds um, like me. Very Matt Lauer of you. Oh, Ooh. wow. 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 Um, wow. The only case where I really tap it out, but when I do, I tap it out hard is when I have to run a Windows VM and do dev on the Mac environment at the same time. Yeah. Because that, that usually has a Windows VM with a Mac simulator, or, or with the Mac running with X, not X, but Visual Studio, because I'm doing Xamarin on the Mac side, and, you know, an iPhone or iPad simulator, or, yeah. like, a couple Node servers running versions of Alice, because I'm trying to tie it into the Windows thing. So yeah, it's the like, VM thing is definitely where things start getting complicated, right? I mean, because that's so but much... the VM thing is solved by... Maybe two more cores and double the memory, and I'm done. Yeah, because so I have the i7. It's just that I don't have enough RAM to go around.
0: I thought my advice was—I thought my advice was build a nice desktop and then get a low-end laptop. I thought that was my advice.
1: Yeah, was it? Because I thought your advice was go Mac for me. I thought you were going to build a nice desktop. Oh, <laughs> I see. No, you know what? I think you're right. I, th- I think your advice for me was actually—I think it was the iMac Pro. Right, keep the iMac and. Or keep the MacBook. I don't know. We have to listen. People yeah. who listen back, listen back. Because I maybe I got the wrong message.
0: You know, the thing so the thing that uh, I I have a little suspicion that uh, I, I think I remember I told you about the NUC, that new NUC that's coming down the down the line.
1: Yeah, people are talking about that.
0: If I could if you know, I'm gonna say we'll wait and see. Uh since since you and I have had our last conversation, um, I've I've been a little uh and I, I'm 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 a little sketched about about Ubuntu right now just a little don't nobody freak out but um, all my systems except for one of them is having issues that bug me but they're not showstoppers today they have, they weren't a problem yesterday but the week before every day I was having a new problem um,
1: and this is 10 1710 no 1604. Oh yes, no, dope. Okay, Grandpa. Yeah,
0: yeah I, well, you know, I wanted to I thought by going LTS I thought that would be the responsible thing to do. Um but uh T4
1: no, yeah. was giving me all kinds of headaches.
0: Yeah, I think uh-huh. I should have gone seven. Well, I'm so I'm just gonna hang out here for eighteen oh four and uh, yeah. and see how it goes. eighteen oh
1: four is looking good. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. oh, mean there's some pretty there's some pretty hardware. I know yeah, it's looking good. So is Windows
0: seven. You
1: know. Yeah, and, well and Dell has that nice uh nice workstation though. It's basically an iMac. Right?
0: Yeah, I, I reviewed that actually. If you go check my YouTube channel. Um, oh, I did. And I
1: did. it's nice.
0: It, I really like that machine. I really like that machine. And it has way better speakers than the iMac, if that matters. Um, but uh, those words are
1: blasphemy, but keep going.
0: The nice thing about that one in particular, that Dell all in one, is because it's Dell, you can start at like an i5. And then you can go up to Xeons, so that's an example. Which would see so so they don't they don't care about the pro moniker necessarily in that case. If you want to spec it up to a pro level machine, like I think the one I got had like 64 gigs of RAM and Xeon processors. Um, I mean, so you can go all bananas on it if you want. But if you also just want to put an i7 in there with regular RAM and you know, that's the nice thing that. Apple just doesn't offer you that. And when you, you know, you... Yeah, you have
1: to be extreme, right? You, you, are always, extreme yeah. you
0: are finding yourself in a edge case where they don't offer a product that exactly suits you, which is ironic because you should be one of their core demos. If you, if you well, could... So if you could go buy that Dell all-in-one and configure it just the way you want and then install macOS flawlessly, that would be an obvious choice for you.
1: It, it, it's weird to me that I can't buy a MacBook Pro... With 32 gigs of RAM, because I think that would basically solve the problem of I need to run Windows VMs. And I know, like, I could, you know, over the land, like, run a Windows box and do stuff like that. But that, that is a lot of networking. <laughs> that I well, don't you want also want to. Wanna,
0: if you're on a laptop, you want to be able to open up the laptop at the airport and just start. Work. Your, yeah, I agree. Right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't eventually happen. Dell just refreshed the XPS 13, and it's still limited to 16 gigs it's also that low power kind of ram i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked if at wwdc to sort of stem some of this criticism macbook pro touch bar version 3 comes out with oh a, I, I
1: think there'll be no touch bar hmm. okay
0: maybe wow that'd be a big reversal but maybe and but, but i think what you're gonna i wouldn't be surprised at least if you finally get 32 gigs after for the third iteration 32 32 gigs finally arrives uh, maybe, a, maybe a slightly improved keyboard. And let's go crazy. Why not a T2 chip with rated storage in a laptop? If no you could, way. If you could do 32 Na- gigs.
1: Never going to do the T2 chip. Yeah, it might be too much power. It probably is too much too power. Too much power. It'll hurt battery life. And, yep. of course, God forbid it's a millimeter thinner. Right. Uh, flatter, man, if you could. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Hey, no, honestly, if you could give me this machine with a slightly better key- keyboard and 32 gigs of RAM, it could Really do. I mean, it does do everything I want now, except I hear the fan going four hundred miles per hour, yeah. and yeah, and, and there is no getting, getting around that's not that. good for
0: it. Yeah, there is no getting right. around you are baking it, and there is no getting around that. And um, the nice thing about a desktop again is, I know it, it's it's one thing to say, man, it really feels faster, it really feels different. Um, the thing about a desktop machine, like the one I have upstairs, is not even that awesome anymore, but it's still, it's still pretty good. It's i seven with uh, six cores, uh, six physical cores um and i think this one has 32 gigs of ram it might have 64 but i think it has 32 uh, my my main drive my main system drive is a fast m.2 sata drive and then everything else is ssds except for a large pool of storage by the way that's one nice thing right there about the desktop right is i've got dedicated a system drive yeah i've got a dedicated yeah. work drive and then i've got i've got i've got four additional hard drives in a raid 0 that I just use for, like, huge storage that just has to be really fast, but it's you but know, it has to be cheap, so it's spinning disk. And that's just... And, yeah. then, and you know what? It, but just before I'll finish with saying this, not only do I have that flexibility there, but I, I can push it harder, and I can leave it doing more things in the background. I can, like, uh, I can have it doing all kinds of extra things that I would never do on a laptop, even if it was plugged in, ever, because there's just more there's it just it feels like i feels like i can push the pedal down further and i can get more performance out of the machine and it stays about the same noise level the entire time unless i'm gaming it's really and you know this is a custom built pc so uh you could replicate this with an old mac pro cheese grater <laughs> um but i i, w- I w-
1: yeah i would be tempted actually that's it- yeah. it- But you hit on another pain point that I I didn't even think about. I spent about 30 minutes last night going through my hard drive on Mac because I tapped it out. And I'm trying to see, like, what about, I think I have a 256 drive.
0: Yeah, I have Daisy Disk on my MacBook Pro that I edit on because I'm constantly having to go and clean stuff up so I have room all the time.
1: Now, I get it. I could have paid Apple's ridiculous upgrade fee to go to, uh...
0: Two terabytes? uh, but That's like $2,000 or something. It's over, yeah, yeah.
1: But if this was a desktop, I could do exactly what you do. I could have a boot drive of, like, 256 yep. that is uh, highest quality SSD I can afford. yep. yep. And then I can just have a, you know, a, a 72 RPM drive,
0: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I just got four of them and I put them in a RAID 0 and it's it's plenty fast like that. Right. because it will be
1: loaded with Photoshop files yeah. and things like that that people send me, right? That's, a,
0: that's exactly that's exact, exactly yeah. what I do. Or if I just need, like when I'm rendering out a file and I just need a quick scratch pool that I, so I can read from my OS drive and I can write to that RAID 0 of disk... And uh, it's basically as fast as an SSD. It, it, I know that one day one of those drives is going to pop, so I don't st- I don't put anything in there that I, I don't have backed up.
1: Do you but, have uh, like a NAS, or are you pushing it all to a NAS or something? Eventually,
0: yeah. It. Eventually, I put it up to a NAS, yeah. But while it like it's a work in progress, I use that scratch. I, I have four. I think they're, I think they're either one or two terabyte drives. I don't I don't care, right? Because it's just it's just large dumb storage. I actually call it scary raid. So I, that's what I've named it in the in the raid management tool. So that way I know when I look at it, that's my pool of old disks that are going to die on me one day. And so it's always in my mind as my scary raid, but it's also my my fast dump of storage. And when I you know I think about it, I'm, I think I could do that on my MacBook Pro with a eight hundred dollar Thunderbolt enclosure and then another eight hundred dollars worth of drives. I could hook up that to my MacBook Pro and I could I could have some dump storage like that. But uh, the nice thing about the desktop tower is it's just the bare cost of the discs. And I'm done. And they, or they're all inside one box, too. There's no external enclosure. But
1: it's also that you could amortize that cost, right? So you could say, you know, you have $3,000 today that you can spend, spend up to three grand. Yes. And then in three months, when some, yep. you know, you get an ad payment or whatever it is. Which is exactly
0: know. what I did. That is exactly what right. when we. Uh, when when bitcoin actually it was when bitcoin price was right i just you know i got that thing a new video card and i got the i got those drives on an unbelievable sale because i wasn't buying anything fancy and um yeah i just i think i had the machine for 6 months before i did that
1: so so this is why i'm feeling pressure right every mac i've ever had that has started doing this crazy thing with the fan has died within 3 months like yeah. kernel panic you know like I back up my data every day
0: now. You know, you have a touch bar? You have or non or that generation? I have, a, I have a touch bar, yeah. You know, I I uh I have rendered and edited many a video uh and I'm talking like for my New York trip. Those were like 12, 13 hour at marathon edit sessions nonstop. Um I don't know, it seems like it holds
1: up. So is it just that the fans are louder in this model? And I just well, need it's to no, be
0: no. It's patient? that if you if you go read their uh, their marketing literature, uh, these fans have a new curvature, so they produce a different tone now, which is supposed to be more appealing to uh, most people. It, it,
1: it sounds like the tone of a giraffe being strangled by an orangutan.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like this higher
1: pitch. That, that right, it, uh,
0: it sounds like it's dying. Yeah, the old like, ones would have more of a whoosh, and these have more of a
1: yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah cuz I'm sitting here thinking any day now she's just going to kick off. Only, I I right? still am not
0: a big fan of, you know, r- keeping a laptop hot all the time. I, I if I if I could I would avoid it. I just I, there was no other price point I could. I just needed a. I needed a Final Cut machine. There was no other price point I could get in that would give me high high performance Final Cut, and that's so I got the Touch Bar machine.
1: And well, that's um, the problem. It's, I, it's I need a relatively high performance Xcode machine, right? Yeah. Like, yep. Even if I'm using Visual Studio instead of Xcode, I, I still need Xcode. Cause, yeah.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny how much that's that overlaps. True. Yeah. <laughs> and Johnny, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Johnny's like, mm, but I could make it an inch thicker, and it would solve all your problems, or
0: not. <laughs> yeah. Well. Mr. Dominic, um, I've, I find your uh, your tool, your tools, and that you use to your job fascinating. So I always like when we talk about it. And I'll be curious to hear how seventeen ten goes for you. Don't try eighteen oh four out yet. i but I was warned off of it yesterday to wait
1: on that. Um, yeah, I mean I've been using it for about a week. It's, what do you it's think been, of GNOME uh, so far? Well, I was using GNOME on a pop before. Oh that. yeah, that's right. That's right. right. You, okay. so it's not that different. I mean, yeah.
0: What do you think of Canonical's take on it then versus the pop take? I mean, if you like orange, it's great. Yeah, right. like orange, <laughs> so
1: there you go. It is very uh,
0: orange. Yeah, yeah. Pop OS is a good-looking desktop OS. You know, they've they've put a yeah, lot yeah. of work into that.
1: I, I still, you know, the the problems I had with the Galago Pro, I, I actually, uh, Carl over at that's System right, you are go having
0: a back and forth on fixing the firmware issue, trying to get the fans yeah, he, down. He did
1: reach out to me after one of the shows we did, and uh, we were able to. I had to do something with the firmware, basically undo it, reinstall it, whatever. Because uh, the fan was spinning up too much Yeah, I mean, it's it's a decent machine I, I like it I like 1710 a bit better than I like Pop, I think I think 1710 is a little more Polished, if it I feels, can use that It feels more professional, where Pop always feels a little more fun Right, and and this is one of the things I'm trying to figure out Like when, cause I am going to do what, what what Now I know you're suggesting Which was get a workstation for my office And just like use a laptop, one of the laptops When I'm on the road or at home um I'm trying to see like can I when eighteen oh four comes out, can I just buy a Dell or a system seventy six Linux workstation and save money and have upgradability or do I have to go all in on xeons with Apple, which is which is definitely overkill for me and I don't like that I can't upgrade the the iMac.
0: Yeah, but I can see where you're going. Um, because if you could uh, if you could get a nice Linux workstation, then your current MacBook Pro could fill that when you need to do something on the Mac roll, But it wouldn't be as pressed all the time, so it would probably last longer. So then you're, it, that,
1: it could be a five year laptop, exactly, hoping,
0: which right. would be nice because right. those Macs are that's the based on their cost, that's how long you should be able to get out of it. Um, And so I, my closing just like little tip for all of this will be something that's helped me make this more and more viable because what I – I've kind of done this now out of out of uh, no other option because not only do I not have like a super beefy machine typically in the RV. It's like one of my older laptops. Like right now it's a 2012 machine. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I also am on a MyFi. So my bandwidth is balls too. And so I'm like on a slower machine and I got horrible bandwidth. So what I've taken to doing is just team viewing into my workstation at the studio, or X2Go, depending on uh what you want to use. And um it actually is very usable. It's like if you want to start something, I can open up terminals, I can read the text, I can start I can start off background downloads, um, I can export files. It is for setting up just some work that the machine's gonna chew on for 35, 40 minutes, it's great. It is So I, I, and I can do, I can kick that off from home at my workstation here at the studio where we have a hundred megabit connection and I've got six cores and all the storage, you know? So it's just, it's great. So you can kind of leverage tools like that to make this a more viable option too, where, yeah, it means not having your most powerful system at home, but there is like a backup escape hatch where you can portal into your system at work and have all the power. And it's like, you're sitting right there at the desk. It's a little leggier, but you know, not TeamViewer is particularly good. It's it's pretty good. And they've just released a new version for Linux.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's – I mean, I, I was – I mean, I don't want to get people excited, but I was specking out certain workstations because um, I don't need Xeon's, right? I mean, it, what I found was if I'm comparing Xeon to Xeon, Apple to Apple, or Apple's to literally Apple, then the iMac Pro is, is just a better buy in almost every case. That Dell does have a good screen, though. That all-in-one does have a good screen. It does. It does, right. But if I don't need the Xeon. Right. And if I drop the ECC, which I'm not sure that I'm willing to drop. But and, if, let's you,
0: say if, I, and if you don't need three gigs a second write speed. <laughs> right. But who, I mean, which everybody I don't. Needs. No, but everybody does. Uh, I mean, it makes VMs but, run better.
1: It, everybody does. Yeah, no, I probably do need that. I can, I can, instead of spending five grand plus, I can probably get away at like three. And then I can just do incremental upgrades every year. Yeah. For yeah, especially if it's a tower. Well, I'm looking at towers. I'm looking at. Uh, I'm not. I'm actually not looking at. I like Dell's all-in-one, but if I'm not getting a, the Mac, I'm not going to get the all-in-ones. Yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do like having the tower. Even the separate monitor is nice because um, I buy. I you know I find that my monitors actually outlast my machine, so it's it's kind of nice just being yeah. able to reuse that Same monitor for me. and or yeah. add additional. Like I have uh, one. I have one horizontal and one vertical, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to add a third monitor here pretty soon. And yeah. um, nice. I
1: have a Dell four K, so I'm.
0: Really not going to buy monster. <laughs> exactly. So. All right, yeah. Mr. Dominic. Well, very all good. Right. Good to good to catch up on all of that. I find it fascinating. Where do you want to send people throughout the week?
1: Uh, go to themadbotter.com and
0: uh, at Jumanuko on Twitter. Yeah, very good, very good. You can also find me on the Twitter at Chris L A S. The whole network is at Jupiter Signal. Is it at Coda Radio Show? We have a Twitter at for the show. Yes. Yeah, a new Twitter for the show too, at Coda Radio Show. Geez, we mentioned that earlier in the show. And com. Wow, it's a lot of stuff. And then last but not least, uh, send an email on like Egon, go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. You got a mention. You got
1: a couple of mentions we got this week. t shirts. Be like Egon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, be like Egon and send us your feedback at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Catch our live times over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar because things happen and sometimes they change and we'd always love to have you join us live over at jblive.tv. Thanks for being here. See you next week.